First John chapter two. First John chapter two. How many glad that you're at in an air conditioned facility, pollen free? Say amen. One hundred and sixty is very high, and the pollen count today was thirty three hundred. And so, if you feel lazy, low down, and yellow, it's because of the pollen. Amen. Don't blame it on anything else yet. It might be a worse diagnosis, but I'm going to tell you something. This stuff will drain you. And in light of that, I'm only going to preach an hour. So uh, don't worry about it. Amen. Appreciate the three messages in my absence Sunday from Brother Jason, our associate pastor, and then uh, Brother Wesley. He actually preached five minutes. I've never preached five minutes. I can't even introduce myself in five minutes. I ain't got much to introduce. But that was a great message. I listened to both of them on the way. Our service started at five, and so at 6.30 I was on the road. And we had a long prayer meeting afterwards, so I didn't preach long on the road. And for 30 years, I never missed a Sunday, 30 years. And now I realized in the uh, crescendo of my life that i got to miss some Sundays. I don't like it. I don't want to. But I have to prepare this church for one day when I'm not here. And so I miss on purpose. Uh, I don't want to do it. I don't accept many uh, invitations. And I turned them down for 30 years if I ever had one, not many, because I'm not a famous preacher. But uh, I'm trying to do this for the church to prepare for the transition one day when I'm in heaven and uh, there'll be somebody here to take my place. And so uh, that's not a morbid thought, it's just good management. Uh, Dr. Lee Robinson did not train somebody to take the pulpit of like mine and now the church is gone. It can happen in one generation, one generation, one preacher move off the scene and the whole church be destroyed. And I thank God for Brother Jason and his convictions and appreciate his preaching uh, Sunday so much. And not just because he's my son, but I don't apologize for him being my son. I'm pretty proud of him. Amen? Because he could be doing a whole lot of other things on Sunday. Say amen right there. You know, it just breaks my heart to think about immorality, um, what it does to marriages. You know, some people are in lonely homes tonight because of the sin. But there's one thing I'll say about this missionary. At least he confessed it and he got it right. And he's trying to save his marriage and not covering up for many years. And folks, the devil wants us to cover up. And the devil wants us to have shallow confessions. That's what 1 John 1, 9 is about. It says, if we confess our sin. But some people get caught. And so they then they say, well, it was midlife crisis. It was sickness. You know, I'm sorry, you know, and I apologize. And they don't really, they're not really broken. And, you know, I really don't believe they're repentant. But I want to tell you how you can tell when a person's really repentant. They remember, they repent, and they do the first works. When a person really repents, he, he's, he's faithful. Let me just say this, so I won't blame every adulterous affair on a man. She's faithful. Amen? So I'm praying that this missionary, I almost said his name, this missionary will become faithful in his local church, be a soul winner, be a bus captain, whatever it takes, and restore his marriage, most important of all, and be a faithful daddy. That, that's the proof of the pudding. It's fruits, fruits of repentance. Fruit of repentance. Just want to say that before we all get depressed together, because, folks, there is hope. If, because Saul committed suicide, but David went on. Why? The difference was David confessed, and David was broken, and David repented. And David got up and wrote most of the book of the Psalms. Amen? There's a difference. Saul committed suicide because he never confessed his sin. So 1 John 1.9 is very important 
that you get it in review. That confession is not just saying, I've sinned, and I'm sorry, I'm caught. Confession is judging it as God judges it, call it what God called it, and be broken and contrite in your heart over sin. Enough to come public and confess it before the whole congregation as this missionary did. I admire that. I hate the sin, but I love the sinner every time. But look in 1 John chapter 2, and I just want to review and what we preached last Wednesday. I was here last Wednesday, I'm sure. Uh, I don't remember much of it, but I think I was here. Amen? Very sick last Wednesday, but I got through it. It says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's our lawyer that's never lost a case. Amen? And he is the propitiation for our sins. He is a, he, listen to this. He is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. I want you to define the word uh, with me, propitiation. It means he satisfies God's justice. God is holy, and he doesn't put up with sin, and we could never pay for our sin. Somebody asked this intelligent question, and I don't like these uh, biblical uh, uh, radio programs sometimes because they're not too biblical, but this one happened to be pretty biblical, and that was this. They said, they said, if God's God, why don't he just forgive? Why did he have to send his son Jesus? I mean, he can do anything. He can forgive anything. Why didn't he just forgive? And we didn't have to have Calvary. Well, that word right there, propitiation, is the reason we had to have Calvary. In God's plan, he's just, he is holy, and he will not put up with sin, and he will judge sin, and he knew the only way that he could forgive you was treat his son as if he did it. That's propitiation. It satisfied the holiness of God. It satisfied the justice of God. Let's go on. It says, and herein we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And he that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. That's a hypocrisy to the kilt. But whosoever keepeth his word in him verifieth, verily is the love of God perfected or mature or obvious. Hereby know we that we are in Him. Why? Because we obey and love God. That's the two fruits of not only uh, fellowship, but sonship. Look at verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but as old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is, is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light. Now listen. And hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness. And walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth. Because that darkness has blinded his eyes. What a great message on blinding. Sunday, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for, your, for, his, for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you're strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now here's the text tonight. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
If you love the world habitually, continually, and constantly, you're not saved. Or you're not in fellowship. You, you be the judge of that. I'm not the judge. I'm just the witness. It says, For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of the God abideth forever. Father, use this message tonight. Lord, our heart's broken, but Lord, our heart is encouraged by true confession and true repentance and true conviction that comes from not getting caught in sin, but praise God, being caught by the Holy Ghost in conviction. So Lord, thank you for that. I pray God you'd use this message for your glory. And God, help us all to mature, grow, and not love the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see, and uh, we'll just go to slide five, if you would, please, Brother Cody or Brother uh, Joel. The criteria for the examination is verse seven and eight. And folks, that is that we need to realize that God has put a love in our heart once we get born again. We're saved by the grace of God. And folks, we need to realize that verse 7 says, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, an old commandment which ye have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Because of the word, we know that we're saved, but also because of the word, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for you. And folks, he, he bled for you. Look at verse 18. Again, a new commandment I write to you that the thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is past and true light now shineth. Folks, listen, this book's about fellowship. This book's about light. And folks, you can have fellowship with the light if you don't walk in the darkness. We need to deal with sin. Uh, obedience is the test of fellowship. Verse 3 through 6, disobedience is a proof of non-fellowship. And assurance comes through, verse 5, obedience. If you've never been scripturally baptized, forget trying to have full assurance that you're saved. If you don't come to church, forget trying to have full assurance that you're saved or that you're right with God because you're not. You ought to come to church, amen? You ought to read your Bible. The sin of omission always precedes the sin of commission. But folks, we need to see that love is a demonstration of our fellowship. Verse 8 says, Jesus loved us enough to come as the light into the darkness. We ought to love God enough to leave the light, darkness and walk in the light as He's in the light, have fellowship one with another because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. So the character of this examination is found in verse 11. It says, But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh not in darkness, and walk in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I mean, he's in so much sin, he's not even aware he's sinning. That's blind. And folks, the character of the examination is found in this verse 9 through 11. Then I want you to see the submission in verse 3 pr provides assurance. Look at verse 3, it says, and hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Blessed uh, submission. All is at rest. Uh, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. If Fanny J. Crosby had rebelled against becoming blind, she wouldn't have had assurance, much less wrote the great song that we always sing about blessed assurance. Submission provides assurance. See, the reason I know I'm saved is I want to serve God. I want to be right with God. And when I don't want to be, I'm scared not to be. I mean, that's called the fear of God. But folks, first of all, we have the love of God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, 5. In Leviticus uh, 
19, 18, it says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The Bible says in John 13, 34, they'll know that we're disciples because we love one another. And folks, by this shall all men know that we're disciples because we love one another. And you can know that you're a disciple if you love one another. I want to tell you how you can know you're really saved. When somebody hurts you and you still love them. Hey, I want to tell you how you can really know you're saved. When you want to kill them and you forgive them. <laughs> amen. I mean, you really want to knock their head off. Amen. But then you forgive them. You know you're saved. And I want to tell you something. I'm glad I'm saved because I think I could hurt some people. Amen. I really do. And I think I could hurt some sinners around here and hurt the liquor crowd and hurt some drug addicts uh, and wouldn't mean to. I mean, the pushers, I have no, 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 no tolerance towards people that push drugs on innocent kids. I don't have any tolerance at it. But I want to tell you something. I got to love them. And I know I have been saved because I do love their souls. And so, folks, listen, the hatred is the denial of fellowship. Um, when Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while, and the light's with you. Walk while you have light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness know not whether he goeth. Proverbs 4.19 says this, The way of the wicked is, in, is as darkness. 4.19, Proverbs. They know not at what they stumble. So our love, our love and our submission and our sincerity and our, and our love uh, tells us that we're saved, but also that we're in fellowship with God. And let's go to slide six, because I, I skipped a lot, and I want to get to the new part. Our maturity and fellowships at stake. I want to tell you, some people are still sucking their thumbs, spiritually speaking. Amen. Some people are still having to have their diaper changed, spiritually speaking. Some people are like a little child. You know, a little child is lazy. I've never seen a small child clean up a house by himself. Now, there's a few oddballs out there. I wasn't one of them. I try to be a husband that helps out a lot. Amen. My wife's back's bad, and I vacuum all the time, and now my back's bad, and I can't get those dogs to pull that vacuum cleaner and save my life. But anyway, I want you to know, uh, they're lazy. Little babies are lazy. They just want to sit around and, and uh, have milk and be pampered and be changed. And folks, a spiritual baby's lazy. They want to get involved. They just want to ride free. They want to fill a pew and not get involved in anything. The Bible says uh, that we're, there's maturity. All saved people are children of God. Look at verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. But we shouldn't stay little children. I'll preach on this Sunday night. Uh, then, you know, uh, little children sometimes are self-centered. If you don't believe it, uh, put a, 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 some toys in the floor and one child comes into their territory and picks up that toy. What toy do they want? They'll fight, they'll bite, they'll kick, they'll rave and rant for that one toy. Now there's 17,000 toys in the nursery, but we've had some knockdown drag outs in the nursery over one toy. I've heard the reports. I ain't going back there. Y'all can have this couple, y'all can have this couple uh, keeping the nursery you want to, but I don't, I don't, I don't go for it. Ladies, y'all doing a wonderful job. We ain't going to take your place. But I want to say this, friend. Hatred is a denial of fellowship. And folks, we need to realize that maturity and fellowship is all important. All the saved are children and their sins are forgiven. Thank God for that. But there's another level. There's another level. The Bible says in verse 13, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. Now listen. Uh, uh, it, it, it says, we, you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. It goes back to those little children. And so, folks, he's, he's writing. 
to all the saved that are children. But then he's writing to the fathers that are older in spiritual things and growing. Folks, a father is, a, is one that should be living for others, and a father should be uh, one that is like Christ. God the Father, amen? God the Father takes care of us. And folks, we ought to be growing to care. We ought to be growing to love. We ought to be growing to minister. And so he's writing to the immature, but he's also writing to the mature. The fathers are older in spiritual things, and they're growing in the grace and knowledge of God. Don't be stagnant in your Christian life. Don't be a baby. Don't revert back to... to um, uh, just getting, getting, getting. Get involved and give something to, for God's glory, and you'll, you'll mature quicker if you have a prayer partner and you have a prayer laborer and that you're in the ministry of God because you know that you, if you're going to grow, if you're going to uh, do something for God, you've got to grow so you can bring people where you are. A lot of people talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And so the young men are growing in immaturity. Look at verse 14. I've written unto you, fathers, because you know him, that is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, folks, here's a great verse. They're all great. But folks, they've overcome the wicked one. You know how you overcome the wicked one? You get strong in the Lord. How do you get strong in the Lord? It's right there in the verse. It says, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. It didn't say you read your Bible. It says you let the Bible read you. And you're full of the Spirit and full of the Word, and therefore you have a, a Word from God, and God's Word abides in you, and you can ask, and your prayers are answered, and you're in the warfare over the devil. And folks, it's only the grace of God that somebody's not reading your letter tonight. It's only the grace of God you're still married, especially looking at some of you, amen, the way you act. Amen. I'm going to tell you, it's the grace of God. It's a, it's a mercy of God. It's a miracle of God. In my life, it's a miracle of God. And I want to tell you something, friend. Young men are growing and maturing. I'm going to preach all this uh, Sunday night, but I want to get to the fellowship and the path to avoid. The path to avoid. I like John because old John was not always mature. John was self-centered, and John wanted to, uh, uh, a special seat. Uh, he was selfish, as the Bible says in Mark chapter 10, verse 37. He was a son of thunder. That means he had a lot of temper about him. Uh, he was prejudiced, Luke chapter 9. He just wanted to kill a bunch of people for not living for God. And then he was intolerant in Luke chapter 9. Now, folks, what happened to him? I'll tell you what happened to him. He got in the Word, and he got with the Word, and he yielded to the Spirit, and he grew. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. If our church is all mature, we're felons. We need babies around here. Amen. We need spiritual babies that haven't been in church in years right here. We need people that have been backslidden for years and come back. We need that because that's a sign of a growing church, not a failing church. If we're all mature around here, then we're failing to reach those that are not mature. Say amen. We're not some club of mature, gray-haired, no-haired Christians. We're not here to have our wrinkled brow become more knowledgeable. What well, we are to reach the lost and reach the backslidden and minister to the hurting and be a ministry that ministers to people where they come in if they have five earrings in their nose and one in their ear that the, and the wife's pulling them with a rope. We still welcome them. Say amen. And we expect all that junk to fall out after a while. 
because that sure will get in the way of witnessing. Say amen. I don't care if their hair is down to their neck and they got, ta- they got the whole Word of God tattooed all across their back. I want them here. Because, folks, I can't change their past. But I sure can help them with the present. I sure can help them with the future. And some churches are so pious and so legalistic. They don't want anybody to come to church unless they look like them, act like them. And, folks, that is a failing church. We need a church that has all levels. Fathers, young men overcoming, and children that are just learning and trying to grow and trying to get their teeth. Break, break their teeth upon the Word of God, break in their, their uh, uh, spiritual nourishment, exercising by faith. I mean, taking the Word of God in as the milk of the Word. They ain't ready for the meat. I mean, getting them grounded and settled. That's why I want to start a, a new converts class. And I'll probably end up teaching it after this weekend as I went into one to see how it works. And I want to tell you something, friend. Our maturity and our fellowship depends on our relationship with the Word. That's what it says. He says, then that God abideth in you, and ye shall overcome the wicked one. But then John puts it on us. I like a preacher that'll preach against sin. And it's not afraid to do it. Amen? They're not trying to impress the tithers, or they're not trying to uh, keep the deacons happy. They just preach. I talked to a preacher this weekend. He said, boy, I always catch it when I'm overtime. I said, did I get you in trouble? He says, no, don't worry about it. They put up with guest speakers. They just don't let me go overtime. And I went overtime both times. I closed five times, you know that. But listen, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, you need to know something about it. I want you to look at verse 15. If you're going to have fellowship, you're going to walk with God, you've got to know these three things that the devil uses. In other words, you've got to have some strategy. Don't you think Virginia stayed up all day Sunday uh, scouting Texas Tech? Don't you think they watched films till they were sick of it? Don't you think that all these NFL teams spend thousands of dollars on scouts and films and studying their opponent? Folks, we need to know how, our de- how the opponent, of the, the, the uh, adversary, the devil, works. And his strategy is obvious. He used it three times. Once in the Garden of Eden, once upon Jesus, and now he tells John the secret of how to overcome the devil. Number one, we need to see that there's some things that we need to avoid, uh, uh, and that is we are to avoid the love of the world. Look at verse 15. Love not. Just talked about fellowship. Just talked about assurance of salvation. Just talked about maturity, father, son, children. Then he says, love not. Here's a negative preacher. I don't like negative preachers. I don't like anybody stepping on my toes. I don't like anybody preaching against sin. I do. Because I need it. And then if they step on my toes, I can get my toes out of that gutter and get it back on solid ground. Say amen. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I'll just be honest with you. A lot of people are so worldly that they're, they're out of fellowship with God. They're, they're straddling the fence spiritually. We're to avoid the love for the world. The world. Now, folks, what didn't you say... For God so loved the world, that means you ought to love the world. That's another world. That's God's, that's lost sinners. Or then maybe you should love the world. And we have all these senators and, and all these people hugging trees and saying that, you know, the ozone's getting thinner and ozone and 
we're, 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 we're tearing up the oxygen in the air with too much seal, you know, and they go to pot on that, pardon expression, probably smoke it too. But I want to say this, I want you, I want you to know this, friend, that's not, the, that's not the world he's talking about here. You've heard the world of finance, you heard the world of sports, it's a system. And I want to tell you something, there's an antichrist system defined in verse um, 18 and 19 against God. There's a system against God. Folks, it's a system in politics, it's in the church, it's in religion, especially in religion. You won't see anti-Christ. Folks, it's anybody that puts any mediator between us and God is anti-Christ. It's lowering Christ and raising men. Anything you, anybody you have to confess your sins to is lowering God as the high priest and putting somebody else up in a higher father position. That's heresy. That's anti-Christ. Uh, you can say, is it a cult? It's close to it. But I'll say this, friend. The world in this passage means the spiritual system that opposes God. I want to give you a few verses. Ephesians 2.2 says that we're dead in our sins and trespasses. Now, that's not dead physically. That's dead spiritually. And we're living upon this world in times past, walking according to the course of the world. Look at Ephesians 2.2. Walking according to the course of the world. According to the prince of the power of the air. That, who's that? The devil. And it says, the spirit now worketh in the children of, a, of who? Disobedience. The course of the world is anti-Christ. The course of the world is anti-God. The course of the world is anti-old-fashioned religion, uh, old-fashioned relationship, and old-fashioned church. And the course of the world is saying, what are you doing on Wednesday night in church again? Wasn't two times enough or three times enough Sunday? See, they don't get it. Folks, listen. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Psalms 97, verse 10 says this, Ye that love the, the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the soul of the saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. I like Romans 12, 9. It says, let, let love be without dissimulation. That means hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. We're not to love the world system. We're not to love that course. We're to take an opposition to it. That's why we're going down there and stand. And we're not going to stand. I'm, gonna put, I'm bringing a long chair. If there's going to be more than one preacher, i got a long chair. Amen. I'll, I'll stand on my long chair. No matter of fact, I'll recline in my long chair, amen? But I'll be there. And I want to tell you something, you ought to be there because I want to tell you something, the world system is anti-Christ. And if God's people want to show their, flex their muscles, have them over 10 people there, that'll impress the politicians. We're not going to mess with God's people. We need religious liberty in Georgia. But folks, we, it's not a political stand, it's a system. It's against the system of the devil, the system of the world. And we're not to love the things of the world. Look at verse 15. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Folks, listen. I don't understand it. Why Hollywood is so enamored and so admired. They're, 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 the, they're devilish. I mean, the, some of our superstars have been married five or six times, and they can't keep their marriage together. They've been caught in adultery. They've been caught in drugs. They're, 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 they brag, all those country yokel guys brag that they're drunks and sing about it. 
And we're going to crown them as Mr. Dove Award? Folks, we love not the things of the world. Garbage in, garbage out. And they have an agenda. They want to reprogram your mind to conform to the world. That's why it's not conservative news and uh, liberal news. It's uh, either godly news or anti-God news. There's agenda. There's a hidden agenda going on in America through entertainment, through politics, through religion, and through humanism that says love the things of the world. We've got to teach our children not to love the things of the world, but to love God and the things of God. They ought to love fellowship. They ought to love to come to church. And the only way they're going to do that is they're going to have to catch your spirit on it. And if you drag in here like you don't want to be here, they're not going to want to be here. You ought to get excited about what excites God. You ought to get excited about what pleases God. And you ought to get excited about what stands for God. And that's holiness and righteousness. The right kind of music. The right kind of entertainment. We get so used to the darkness, it doesn't matter as long as it makes us popular. No, it's what pleases God that counts. Love not the things of the world. God uses things. It's all right to own things, just don't let things own you. And some people will kill for money. Amen? Some people will kill you if you scratch their truck. <laughs> Come on. Amen? Hey, somebody throws a dirt clod at your $45,000 truck, you're going to park it, and you're going to get out and whoop the devil out of it. Say amen. But you ought to be like Christ and forgive them and go to a car wash and make them pay. But anyway, listen. Things of the world. What's more important than you than God? What do you think about more than you do God? What's on your mind more than God? The things of the world. Love of the world shows that we love the Father. And the love of the world, excuse me, shows us that we do not love the Father. Look at that last part of the verse. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I want to tell you something, friend. Some of, you, some of us need more than just a liver transplant. We need a Holy Spirit transplant. We need the Spirit of God to love the things of God. And when we're yielded to the Spirit of God, I want to tell you something. He's the lover of, of the soul. He loves the things of God. That's why you dare not come here in the flesh. And I'm glad you're coming here in the flesh, but I'm talking about if you come here preoccupied by the problems and the trials and the sins and the temptations, you'll never worship. And worship is so very important. So we see the, the, the uh, love not the things of the world, love, love of the world shows that we do not love the Father, and the evil things of the world are not of the Father. Look at verse 16. It says, For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world system. I want to just go over these three things. Um, real quick, uh, and, and I want you to see it very clearly, that, the, that there's the lust of the flesh. There's the lust of the flesh. Now that's, that, that lust of the flesh is the yield, yielding to the Adamic nature. It's still there. If you don't believe it's not still there, let somebody cuss you out, slap you and spit in your face, and see if the flesh doesn't rear up real quick want to slap them or at least rebuke them. 
just, just, just think, you think your flesh is eradicated. The next time uh, you want to go, so, we have soul winning, watch how the flesh wars against that. It says, I think you got the sniffles. I think it's 3,300 uh, count pollen. I don't think you ought to get out in it. But I guarantee you something, if Georgia and Tennessee was playing and they gave you a $100,000, I mean, excuse me, a, a $200 ticket on the 50-yard line, you'd go if there's pollen or not. Amen? It didn't match you, Tennessee fans, that pollen. But anyway, listen, I want to tell you something. God help us. God help us to get our priorities right. Say amen. And I'm the world's worst. I got three fingers pointing back at me. I should have used the Alabama Crimson Tide on that. But anyway, folks, God help us. To not love the things of the world more than we love God. And it's a temptation, isn't it? I love sports. I'm sorry. I just do. And I try to keep it out of my life. And the older I get, the less interested I am. And thank God for it. Um, I want to say this, folks. The lust of the flesh is our fallen nature. Um, John 3, 5 and 6 says this. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You've got to be born of the Spirit because the flesh is reeking with antichrist motions and emotions. John 6, 63 says this. It says, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, they're, they're, and they are life. Philippians 3, 3 says this. For we are of the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence, no confidence in the flesh. I think I can handle it. No, you can't. This missionary thought he could handle a relationship outside his marriage. No, he can't. You can't either. I think I can handle a little pornography. No, you can't. I think I can handle uh, the worldly crowd and I can go with them and, and hook up with them and, and uh, have friends with them. No, you can't. They will bring you down every time. Yes, sir, they will. They'll think drinking's cool, doping's cool, lesbianism is cool, and they'll try to sway your children into that junk, in that cesspool, and all in the name of the lust of the flesh. But then there's another thing, that lust of the eyes. Folks, the Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 37, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken now, quicken thou me in thy ways. Folks, you know what beholding vanity is? Something that's empty. I'll I, I just be honest with you. There's a lot of people that stayed home to watch a TV program tonight. That's vanity. I, I'm not going to say go throw your TV in the in the river like they did down at the camp meeting several years ago and you had to go buy another one. But I'm going to say this, friend. You ought not let that come first. Some people will stay at home on Sunday night to watch the NFL football. God help them. They're not going to save you and they're not going to fulfill you and they're not going to help you. Matter of fact, they might help you get in the flesh when your team loses. Or the referee misses one call. Boy, that's the end of the world, isn't it? I got 17 replays, but that's not reviewable. And boy, you go out of sorts, you know. Good night. Why isn't it reviewable? Your life's reviewable. Say amen. <laughs> Number three, pride of life. You knew I was going to get to it, but the Word of God gets to it. Those are your three enemies. And I want to tell you something. 
The devil came to Eve with those three temptations. Genesis chapter 3, read it. I'm, I'm closing. The devil came to Jesus, Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness, with those three temptations. Look at all the kingdoms. He owned it anyway. Why would he want it, devil? You can, hey, you've been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Turn these stones into bread. That's the lust of the flesh. He was hungry. The devil says, I can satisfy it now. That's always the devil's ploy. I can give you what you want now. But I want to say, folks, sex before marriage is wrong. Sex was intended not for men and ladies. It was intended for husbands and wives. Can somebody say amen? But boy, you're not cool if you're virgin today. I mean, I feel sorry for these young people facing this crowd. And it's lustful. It's lustful. The lust of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh, and then the pride of life. You ain't going to be nothing if you don't go with us. You know, hey, listen, if you don't drink, you're not cool. If you don't dope and, and blow your brains out with, with uh, drugs, you're not, you're, not, you're not hip, you're not in. I'll tell you what, I don't want to be in if it's that crowd. Amen. I don't want to be cool if it's that kind of cool. And I want to tell you something, from the pride of life, the friendship of the world leads to being spotted by the world, the Bible says in James 1.27. You ask and receive not because you ask to miss, you consume it upon your own lust. You don't have your prayers answered. Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fathers and the widows of their infliction, James 1.27, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. Because when you get a spot on the shirt, you throw the shirt in the category, I can change oil in it. Say so, amen. We've all done it. Last night I was trying to fix a gutter. Pollen falling in my face. I said, boy, this is really good. Tuesday night before I preach on Wednesday. And uh, I, I, I looked down and my, one of my white caps, it wasn't one of my Whitfield Baptist caps. I don't desecrate those. It was a tailor-made cap. It, I looked down there and it was in the mud and I'd stepped on it. And I said, and every time I do something stupid like that, pardon the expression, I clean it up because my wife won't touch it. No, not really. And so I went in there and I tried to wash that thing and now it's stained and it won't come out. And I'm going to tell you something, that is now my official scrub cap. See, it got spotted. And now it's going to be condemned with the world. And folks, I want to tell you something, don't let your children get spotted by the world. Keep them in the right crowd. Keep them with the right music. Hey, keep them with the right write Bible. Amen. Not this funny-duddy Bible uh, with all the mistranslations like the living Bible with cuss words in it. Folks, listen. The pride of life refers to boastful pride of men, friendship of the world. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that it was good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, let me get, go to the last, last thing, bro. Last slide. Things of the world will pass away. Can somebody say amen? Right. Verse 17. It says, And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I don't know about you. I want my children to invest and be a part of things that will last forever. Yeah. Yes. I want to be part of things that last forever. My little daughter's down there discouraged and emotionally distraught and sick. But she's doing something that lasts forever. I wonder if she was getting emotionally distraught and sick in the things of sin. That'd be sad, wouldn't it? It'd be sad she's wasting her life with mono in the jail. 
She's on the service line. She's trying to serve God. I think about Miss Rebecca, her best friend is Lori. They went to college together. She would love to come home and I'd pay her away. I'd pay half of it. I expect Mark to pay half of it. I'd pay her half of it for her to come home and be with her, her best friend. But she can't because of the uh, new baby and the, and the, the doggone uh, things that they're trying to put on them about the uh, visas. She can't, she can't leave. So she'll be, she'll be rather depressed Friday. But I'd rather her be like that in the will of God than out in sin and letting that sin depress you and see her husband be unfaithful and her children walk off into sin and grow up as heathens. See, that's the option. Flesh or spirit? World or heaven? Pride or humility? I can't make it without you, God, ought to be the theme of our life. I can't make it without his word. I can't make it without his music. I can't make it without worship. I can't make it without God's people. And folks, if you want to stay in fellowship, you better have the same attitude. And you need to pray for that. I'll have more of that attitude. Because the Bible says, love not the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I thought this was going to be a little calm Bible study. But you changed it all. And I don't apologize for preaching. God, I'm tired of what sin's doing to our young people. I'm tired of seeing what sin's doing to these marriages. I come in town and hear about another marriage almost broken up. I hear about a missionary falling into sin, immorality. I'm tired of it. I'm not tired of them, I'm tired of sin. Lord, I know the loved ones, the daddies, the mamas, the husband, the wife, they're sick of it. God, help us to realize where it starts. And that's when we disobey and when we fall out of love with you and start loving the stinking world. We let the lust of the eyes and the pride of life take over in our life. And we do things we'd never do, but we want that attention. We want that acceptance by the crowd instead of the acceptance by the very Christ that saved us. Lord, be Lord of our lives.